What's going on, everybody? Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the My Mike and I podcast. I am your host, Noah Alvarez, episode 144. And before we get into things, did want to thank Generic Sports for allowing me to use the instrumental playing in the background. Be sure to check out more of his work on SoundCloud, Bandcamp, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search up Generic Sports. No tricky spelling. And shout out to Vince Correa for designing the My Mike and I logo that you are seeing in your screen. I also have an Instagram page for the My Mike and I podcast. And Vince helps out too with the graphics that go into that. Be sure to go check it out at my period Mike and period I. On that platform, I like to advertise either audio or visual snippets from the show. Kind of pick something impactful that the guest had said that previous week. Something that really resonated with me and that I think will resonate with you, the listener. And hopefully, you know, you seeing that little snippet will influence you to click that link in the bio, check out the entire episode, and so on and so forth. So give your boy a follow. Give the podcast page a follow. Be sure to subscribe, like, and follow the podcast page, whatever platform you're listening on, whether it be YouTube. I got it on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, all the podcast listening platforms. Be sure to do that. And hey, hey, look, if you really like the podcast and you're an avid listener, be sure to share it with a friend too. I greatly appreciate the support that way as well. Now, before we get into this week's guest, did want to say a little something as i do usually hope you continue to battle whatever obstacle that you may be going through in your life right now and a friendly reminder just to be living more in the present moment i've caught myself thinking too far in the future of course an industry like this you do want to plan things out in advance and i'm not saying that things that you are trying to think about in the future are not worthy of some thought and attention however if we spend too much of our time thinking about what may or may not happen in our lives well i think you could say you wasted some time in that in that instance especially if that thing doesn't occur or if something you don't need to worry about in the future so i'm just trying to spend a little bit more of this year the year 2020 one of my resolutions and i don't even like using that word but one of my goals just in life that i've really taken initiative lately is to be more present in the moment whether i'm at work whether i'm with a friend whether i'm recording a podcast just try to be present in the moment enjoy life a little bit more and i hope that helps you guys in whatever situation you may be facing at home or in work or in the romance department whatever also hey valentine's day was last week i'm recording this is uh february 18th remember don't let no silly holiday make you feel like you're less important or not as worthy of love all right so i don't want to say fuck hot valentine's day but you know what i mean you'll know how i feel and uh before we do get into this week's guest did want to plug a couple other podcasts a Sip of Crime. It's a true crime podcast that my buddy Mac and I started. Be sure to go check that out if you're into the crime scene. And check out Front Row Seat. It's a but it's a podcast that my buddy Jacob Fanshawe and I started. We have a lot of intimate conversations. Also be sure to check out the Lock Talk podcast. The podcasting uh, it's a podcast I host with a few other sports writers and sports personalities. Then check out the Double Down Sports Podcast, a podcast I co-host with Alec Romero every other week on Mondays. We just talk about the latest and greatest in the sports world. Man, that's a mouthful. And be sure to check out True 100 Radio. Shout out to them for having us on their platform. That's spelled T-R-U, the number one, 100radio.com. Now, let's get into this week's guest. Can I get a drum roll, please? This week's guest is none other than Farron Kid, and Farron Kid is the CEO, the founder of the Black OC. He's a videographer. He has a very powerful documentary that's out right now. If you are free Sunday, 
Let me get you the exact date. Sunday, February 21st. He's having a screening of the Bang for Change documentary. It's, uh, like I said, Sunday, February 21st, 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. And it's in Santa Ana. It's in the Copper Door. Not in the Copper Door. I'm not sure exactly where they're going to have it. I believe it's an outdoor screening event. Be sure to bring a mask. Be sure to bring some stuff because it's going to be cold. Anyways, we talk about that documentary, the Bang for Change documentary. We also talk about Baron Kid's experience as a kid, growing up, going to prison, coming out of prison, some of the influence that hip-hop played in his life, and much, much more. Definitely, you guys want to tune in for this episode. So, without further ado, hope you enjoy the conversation with Farron and myself. Well, there's a lot of things I want to talk about today, but the first is, what was Farron Kidd doing as a kid? What was your perspective of the world? Shit. Ride skateboards, break dance, smoke weed, graffiti, <laughs> rap. So basically you could say hip hop. Mm-hmm. Hip hop definitely was, you know, what I was into, you know, as far back as it, probably like eight, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So hip hop is what I did. Um, all the elements, you know, absent DJing. And uh, I definitely attribute the man that I am today to being influenced by hip hop yesterday. Mm-hmm. What was the some of the artists that you were listening to as far as the rappers during that time? So, as a kid, I was ashamed of it as like a young teenager. But uh, as an adult, you know, I definitely was proud of it. My first hip hop tape ever was Salt and Pepper. Ooh, okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. I remember, you know, listening. You know, now it's, 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 it's a shame. So like, I mean, your first hip hop tape was, was, you know, with some sisters. But um, but yeah, man, I just I remember listening to it and just loving the vibe. Um, but um, you know all the all the regular stuff. I'm a '90s baby, you mm-hmm. know. So I think my second my second rap tape was Snoop Dogg. I had to go ask my mom, Mom, can I have this? <laughs> you know. Um, uh, 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 and then you know everything else after that, man. From you know the Wu Tangs, mm-hmm. the Nas, you know everything. I, I listened to it all. Busta Rhymes, um, you know. So every every everything hip hop. But I will say about a teenager. Um, I think hip hop can influence both in positive and in negative ways, mm-hmm. you know. So as a teenager, right around like twelve, getting ready to transition into thirteen, mm-hmm. I did start getting heavy into one particular artist that I think um, had a very detrimental effect mm. on shaping my mentality and my behavior, um, and that was Brother Lynch Hum. So mm-hmm. then was Northern Cali, you know, uh, you know, gangster rap artist. Yeah. Um, and so right around that time, uh, you know, just being a fan of that music is when hip hop started to take a turn from something that was just kind of a hobby, yeah. um, something that was positive to having a more negative influence on my behavior. Okay. Yeah. All right. So what were some of those, I guess you could say some of the products, I guess, from that music and some of the trouble that you may have gone to as a teenager? Gang culture, you know, um... You know, obviously, you know, I in the neighborhood that I grew up in was in Orange. It was a, it's a barrio. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a Latino gang mm-hmm. there, and um, I started finding myself getting into a lot of um, violent altercations with them. I'd always grown grown up fighting in that neighborhood, yeah. But it started to take a turn where it was like I was getting chased with guns and knives. Um, you know, they were coming to my house, you know, I lived in their neighborhood, but I mean, literally like coming to the house, you know, um, and it, 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 they, they, it culminated one day and, you know, I got jumped pretty good by about 13 cats. 
Um, they were older than me, about 13 at the time. Um, and from there, from that particular incident, um, and then listening to, to, the, to the music, um, it entered me into a gang cultural lifestyle, mm -hmm. um, getting guns, carrying guns, um, and ultimately, you know what I'm saying, but it's hard to get more into the money side of mm -hmm. being a young man, um, robberies, selling drugs, yeah. you know, everything that, that we associate with the streets. Mm -hmm. um, and I would say one half of that is attributed to the my living situation at the time, mm -hmm. um, being in that neighborhood. Um, so it was definitely a part of my reality, but I think that it was exaggerated or amplified by the influence of rap music or as I'll say you know the more negative side of rap music mm -hmm. so when you're that deep into the culture do you think long term at all as far as you know life as an adult or are you just kind of living in the moment per se and kind of going with the fast money the fast cars and that kind of yeah so I would definitely say when you're in crime it's probably because you're not seeing you don't you you're, you're starting to feel hopeless and desperate so the future is a faraway place for most people who are doing crime mm -hmm. I think people who become successful at crime are people who start to see long term you know but I don't think that most people that get into a life of crime is because they're they have any any foresight mm -hmm. it's I'm in a moment I'm desperate and I'm willing to take a, a shortcut I'm willing to take a chance mm -hmm. um, yeah, so definitely was no, you know, it was for me it was day to day, and there was a time, you know, I'll say at the end of my criminal career, prior to me ended up going into prison, when I was 20 years old, where I felt very much like a particular Tupac song, I see death around the corner, mm -hmm. you know, um, I felt that, literally, at any time I walked out that door, that the likelihood of me making it back was, you know. 50 50 and that's yeah. being generous mm -hmm. okay. so yeah not not definitely not looking at any long term only feeling like what what it, whatever's in the now and getting whatever i can get in the now mm -hmm. because tomorrow is not a promise to me mm -hmm. so for those who may not know your story while you're in prison i know you were able to kind of rehabilitate yourself and mm -hmm. become the man you are today mm -hmm. what were some of those influences or things you were reading or just you know the the things that you were feeding your brain during that time so it goes right back to where we began, um, and that's hip hop. Um, in prison, you are able to get access to a CD player and buy CDs. It's probably one of the few places where CDs are still relevant. Okay. You know, um, with streaming and all that kind of yeah. stuff now. Um, and I'll say, one of the the hip hop groups. There's many, but one of the hip hop groups that has been very instrumental at helping me you know, uh, um, transition my thinking and rehabilitate myself is the hip hop group Dead Prez. Mm. Are you familiar with Dead yes. Prez? They yeah, got a song Big It In, right? Yeah. Hip hop. Um, I, tr I treated their albums very much like books in each one of their songs like chapters. Um, and I would learn them line for line. And they had so much just teaching and what I would say is redefining blackness to me. I grew up again in the 90s in Southern California in the middle of um, a gang war um, between Bloods and Crips in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And I was peripherally affected by that um, in the sense that many other black kids that I knew were being involved in Crip and Blood culture. And later on in my life, I began to participate in that. Mm -hmm. um, but 
also a a, a, a culture again cultural warfare between um, black and brown people mm. and um and so my conception of what black was was not something that was very positive um and also growing up in orange county and not having access to many black people right um i didn't have any any alternative um examples of black people outside of gang culture mm-hmm. so listening to dead press you know they have a, a album it's called revolutionary but gangster mm-hmm. they were a gangster enough to for me to appreciate and relate to that um while also showing me the f- that there's another definition mm-hmm. of blackness and another way to be um and so obviously them um countless books but i'll say a lot of who i am too comes from islam i mm-hmm. practice islam i still consider myself a muslim mm-hmm. um i would say i'm not a, I'm, I'm not the best muslim but i'm a good man mm-hmm. um but uh practicing islam and being around other brothers in prison who were practicing islam mm-hmm. gave me um organizational experience um in prison the muslims operate very much like any other organization whether it's Suranyos, whether it's um Crips and Bloods, you know what I'm saying, etc, etc. What's going on? Um, you know, so so uh, uh um even though they're a religious group, even though they're a religious group, um did you pause it? No. Oh yeah, we keep rolling. No, it's all yeah. it's all it's real we, we in real time, y'all. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Three, six, five style. Um but yeah, so um being around them you know the Quran. I read. You know, I've I, I read everything. Pretty much, almost every book that you could think of that's paramount to just black conscious evolution, from the ISIS papers to Metu Netter, mm-hmm. the New Jim Crow. You know, I've read, studied all those things, including Bible, Quran, mm-hmm. um, Bhagavad Gita, the spiritual books. You know, um, you know the apocryphas, all that. So a lot of that and, and, and positive hip hop. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. and that's one thing. I admire from your story is that a lot you were able to take the initiative on yourself to do those things. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of times the prison system is advertises to rehabilitate others so they can return back to society, but a lot of times that's not the case. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts as far as your experience there, not just within yourself, but what you saw there too and as far as it is a rehabilitating system or you know the, the lack thereof? It's definitely not a rehabilitating system. Um, but you can become rehabilitated not because of anything that they're providing i don't think they provide enough stimulus enough incentive um or effective programming to incentivize or motivate or produce rehabilitation and i think that's one of the reasons why we do see such high recidivism rates um but you can utilize that circumstance to rehabilitate yourself and what you do see is you see many of the great people of this world are people who have been incarcerated and I think the virtue of that is that you finally have time to reflect Mm -hmm. in the streets it's constantly it's go 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 and we never really have time to just sit you know and and contemplate to reflect to meditate and to 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 plan forward Mm -hmm. you know so of of, of a, a consequence you know, you're able to rehabilitate yourself. But as far as them providing those tools, nah, the things that we really need to rehabilitate ourselves are things that I found 
um, through um, through inmate programming, meaning through building with other inmates mm. who create, you know, um, alternative kind of um, workshops and programs. There's a lot of stuff we do inside the chapels where inmates will host this kind of class or that kind of class, and so the rehabilitation really comes through your through your peers. Um, with a special emphasis on brothers who have been in there for a long time. So mm -hmm. a, a lot of times you're going to find that the most rehabilitated among us are those who are doing the longest amounts of time. Right, right. You know, and um, if you, the elders, and if you spend time building with them um, and being open to their teachings, it's going to challenge a lot of, you know, how we are, um, but you will be able to, you know, successfully, you know, rebuild yourself. Mm -hmm. But I definitely wouldn't credit my the growth that people see in me to the system. Mm -hmm. I think that the system actually doesn't like the form of growth that I've acquired because ultimately the goal is not to get people out of prison, but to keep pushing more people into the prison system. Okay. So after you get released from prison, what's what's going through your head as far as what's the next step that you're going to take? <laughs> um, man, so much, bro. You know, I... I uh, I sat in there for 10 years, you know, rebuilding myself and wanting to just get back and get back on track. You know, as a kid, I, I felt all my potentiality and I realized that due to childhood trauma, um, such as some of the things that we talked about, I really squandered my potential. Um, and in there, I had to come to grips with the fact that irrespective of the things that I, I, I suffered and which influenced me and to self and social destructive behavior um i can't say that i didn't have access to other opportunities growing up in orange county by itself yeah. is access to opportunity mm -hmm. and so i really fucked minds off and i realized that um so as i rebuilt myself and came to terms with my potentiality it was like man i want to get back out there i want to get back out there and there's so many great things that i want to do but the, the 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 main thing i wanted to do and anything else that i did was only to was only an extension of that is to just be the change that I want to see in the world. Be the kind of big homie that I wish I had growing up. Somebody that would have told me that 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 would have told me cultivate your potential and don't let anything knock you off course. Mm -hmm. Somebody that would have told me that it's all right to be a positive person. It's all right to be a good person. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like I grew up in a time where it was it wasn't cool yeah. to be anything less than gangster. Mm -hmm. You know, I grew up in a time where most of my peers didn't even have their dads, and the ones that did have dads that were hardworking, that were trying to do the right thing, they kind of looked at their fathers like, "Well, you ain't gangster," so mm -hmm. they didn't they didn't respect them in full. And I'm sure that changed later in life. You know, mm -hmm. you, you grow older, you look back at your parent, and you're like, "Damn, you know what? I I, I get what you were saying. You know, mm -hmm. you I, they become your best friends later in life, but." Mm -hmm. I wanted to get out and just be a force for positive. So everything that people have seen from me, I didn't intend to pick up a camera. Mm -hmm. um, I did intend on um, on building Black OC. We can get into that as well. Mm -hmm. um, but the main thing was, man, get out and just be a good person mm -hmm. in all the ways that I can. And to show other people that um, it's cool to be yeah. here. You know? Yeah. And I don't know how it gets established. I mean, it's probably years and years and generations kind of mm -hmm. passing it along. But that's one thing I experienced too growing up in Santa Ana. And there's other parts of Orange County that are like that. They're so narrow-minded. 
but you said it too, like the opportunity we have to kind of break away from that is so accessible. We're not in Detroit, you know, no offense to those cities, yeah, but we're yeah, not yeah, Atlanta's or the Bronx. Yeah, where you go from block to block to yeah. block yeah. and you find the same exact thing. Right. You might have a block or block, but you got a block over here that mm -hmm. you can escape to if you want it, absolutely. Right, so, you know, just kind of cool as you get older, understanding the access and the opportunities here in Orange County and not being so close-minded. And, you know, a lot of times money kind of keeps you you know, it's good to explore whether it's, you know, other sides of the county or, you know, going to LA or just mm -hmm. other parts of the country. But a lot of times you need money to do that stuff. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that's why sometimes people who grow up in those communities, mm -hmm. they have lesser experiences outside their neighborhoods. Absolutely. So they don't know anything else. They think this is the only way to live. Mm -hmm. But going back to, you mentioned the Black OC, when did that idea first get birthed in your head? So the first time that it, 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 it came to me as Black OC was actually one of my brothers that I was in jail with. Maybe about, you know, maybe about nine months prior to my release, we were talking. He's from Long Beach. He's a real artistic brother, man. And um, and I had this idea. We we're talking about reality shows. And I said, you know, I would love to have a reality show that would follow black entrepreneurs in Orange County. Mm -hmm from both like the urban side to the suburban side, you know, so whether you're in Santa Ana or Anaheim growing up, you know what I'm saying, in more uh, less ideal neighborhoods, but doing your thing, you know, or you're in Irvine or Laguna Beach or Mission Viejo and you come from more affluent communities, but you're still doing good things to create a reality show that would follow these, these African-American entrepreneurs from Orange County. And, um, and so I said, yeah, you know, I, I said black, black OC and I kept talking and my boy paused me. He was like, bro, did you hear what you said? And I said, yeah, I said something, blah, 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 blah. he said, no, bro, did you hear what you said? Yeah. And I said, well, what did I say? He said, sometimes you be having such good ideas and you be talking so fast that <laughs> you'll, you'll just glide past one. Mm -hmm. He said, bro, I'm from Long Beach. And he said, and I've never associated the word black with Orange County. Right. And you just said black OC. And ironically, it makes sense. Mm -hmm. And and I think that's what makes anything good, especially in film, they say a paradox or a, a juxtaposition. Yes. Two yeah. things that seemingly don't go together, but do work is kind of, is, is where the power's at. And so that resonated with me. And, and, and the more I thought about it, I said, you know what, man, you know, I. I feel very much like I am Black OC, you know, mm -hmm. uh, um, in my identity and my culture. It's it's my, and I believe it's a unique experience, and I know that I'm not alone in that experience. Mm -hmm. So coming home, um, the, they give you $200 when you get released from prison, and one of the things that I did do while I was in prison was study business and how mm -hmm. to formulate companies. Um, and so when I got out, I had I had extended the idea of Black OC into a actual the developmentation of a actual community mm -hmm. not residentially um but commercially meaning i knew that it would be difficult to create an actual black community which is something i wish i would have had access to growing up black in orange county mm -hmm. um you know i used to fantasize about just being able to walk out and see black people like me you know yeah. and whatever that feels like um but i knew that i couldn't create an actual community um, a physical community, but I knew that I can create a, a cultural community, meaning a community that though we're integrated, though we're dispersed, at least we have a name, an identity, Black OC, and it identifies us. And then subsequently, I knew that through business, I can create a commercial focal point, a place where there's there's 
black cultural commerce and that could kind of be a focal point for black people and people who appreciate black culture to be able to come together in Orange County mm -hmm. to experience us and a place to build. Mm -hmm. So I got out and I used my $200 gate money to formulate a corporation called Black OC. Mm -hmm. And the rest is history. That's crazy. And that's, I think that's key because sometimes you do see a lot of other more affluent cultures that aren't necessarily like white, like European, Anglo mm -hmm. people but whether it's like Asian, predominantly Asian people, or even Jewish people, like they typically like support other Jewish mm -hmm. businesses as, or as Asian businesses. And so like the fact that like you're having this idea, like this is gonna uh, intend like over the t long term, mm -hmm. it's gonna help the black community as mm -hmm. far as building up their businesses and then just other things will spurt here and there. You mm -hmm. feel me? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, mm -hmm. all right. So as far as putting that plan into action, what happened after once you, you know, get released and put that $200 towards that? So the first thing that I got started on was the developmentation of a website, which mm. is still up right now. It's called, uh, it's blackoc.com. Um, but I didn't finish it. I was learning, you know, as best I could how to create websites. Um, and the reason why was because I said, okay, the first place that we can start to network and the easiest place to network will be online. Um, so I created a space, blackoc.com, with the idea of people creating profiles for themselves. Mm. You know, whether they braid hair, whether they, they do photography, they model, mm. they rap, they make music, you know, they make food, whatever they do, to be able to create a profile there and we'd be able to find ourselves. Because right now we still don't have an actual di directory. We're here, but we're so, I'm gonna say successfully integrated mm -hmm. that we don't know where we are. Right. So I created, I was working on creating that. But at the same time, my mother, who's a comedian, told me there's this thing called social media. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I need content. Yeah. Um, from my comedy. She said, so if I get you a camera, will you learn how to use it and and create content for my social media? And uh, so I told her, you know, I've tried my best, so she got me a camera. And it became one of those decisions where I had to learn how to use a camera and editing software to mm -hmm. be able to help my mother with this content. Um, also, I saw the virtue of it for me that I can also create my own content to help with the site and help branding for Black OC to grow. But at the same time, I'm trying to learn how to this. I'm trying to learn this very complex web development. Yeah. And it kind of became a situation of which one can get me to the end goal faster, this one or this one. Mm -hmm. And not only that, which one has the ability to produce some form of livelihood for me by virtue of the fact that I need to start making an income as a man out of prison mm -hmm. um, to start getting on my feet. And the choice became clear. The fastest route to exposure, the fastest route to uh, being able to have a livelihood for myself without having to go work, mm -hmm. which we know it's very difficult to find yeah. employment when you got a record, especially the kind of record that I have. Mm -hmm. um, so um, so I, I, I chose the camera and I neglected that project with the intention to come back to it. But, you know, the, the build is, is, is always there. So once the finance is there, I'll hire somebody to, um, to continue developing what I what I initiated mm -hmm. so okay. but uh, so then photography and videography became the way um, and through that I've tried you know multiple different things um, I'll give you a, a piece probably that nobody really knows about and that's when I was developing the website I've been out almost a year out and my cousin told me she said you need to get an Instagram and I said well what do I need an Instagram for I got a website you know yeah. I'm building a website 
What year is this? This is a uh, 2017, uh, um, the beginning oh, okay. of 2018. Oh, okay, okay. You know, so she's like, she, she uh, uh, it was my birthday. On my birthday, she made me, she made the Black OC Instagram and sent me over the password and said, you can thank me later. <laughs> Happy birthday. And that thing became my most successful networking right. platform. Um, you know, obviously we know how big Instagram is. Um, but what I didn't know, and I've taken a lot of heat from this, is a lot of people feel though Black OC is community based and about building that community, at some point I understood that somebody has to be has to represent it first. Mm -hmm. And somebody has to do what's necessary to to bring it all of its power. Mm -hmm. Um and I started realizing too that people wanna hear from me, people wanna see from me, people wanna, you know, they want my shares. Um, of, of myself so I have taken a lot of heat and not doing enough to showcase more of black OC mm -hmm. um, and people often saying well you utilize it like your personal page mm -hmm. um, my only um, my only um, defense to that I understand it's a relevant point um, is that largely when you look at the face of black OC on the actual post it's largely other people mm -hmm. um, uh, I utilize the story as my my day to day kind of personal space, mm -hmm. um, and that's because every organization needs a representative, someone that's gonna that's gonna spearhead it. Yeah. Um, and I think that if people look at my overall demonstration and building Black OC, that you can't help but conclude that I did it in a real and I did it in a real and righteous way, mm -hmm. which included representing people from the community, um, giving labor to the community. Um, and also um, establishing that black OC is not just black. Right. You know, growing up black in OC means that you're growing up primarily um, in a non-black cultural experience. Mm -hmm. um, and you are a multicultural person. So inside of black OC, I try to make sure I do my best at showing that while we recognize our, ourselves, um, we also recognize our, our, our extended community members. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Okay, fair enough. Mm -hmm. Now I know on that Black OC page, you also post a lot with the artists that you work with. Mm -hmm. When did you first you know, get your foot in the water as far as working with artists local to Orange County? So I'll say Black OC has a mission statement. Mm -hmm. And the, the mission statement is building a creative movement utilizing the power of hip hop mm -hmm. to build community, establish greater equality among all demographics while promoting a higher standard for urban culture. Mm -hmm. So Black OC leads with hip hop. And that goes back to the fact that as we started this discussion, hip hop is the primary influence in my life. Right. You know, you, there's no, my life has a soundtrack to it and it's hip hop. Um, and I also, I believe that hip hop is the most powerful influence on the culture of today's society. Mm. I believe that hip hop properly utilized can actually transform the, this whole world. Right. Um, I believe that hip hop is divine, but right now in many respects, hip hop is being misused mm. to destroy as opposed to build and create. Mm -hmm. um, so um, hip hop was always going to be the first and foremost element of Black OC. Um, and hip, and it was hip hop artists when I when I set out to network and begin developing that network to develop the Black OC culture and community. It was hip hop artists that I first reached out to, and I think hip hop in Orange County is the best representation of Black culture in Orange County. Mm. It's the one thing that has the greatest ability to kind of bring us together. And if there is any semblance of Black community in Orange County, 
it is the artist community itself. Mm -hmm. And I've always thought hip hop and podcasts are very similar in the sense like in its origin, right? Like hip hop was giving a voice to those who are usually unheard of, right? Mm -hmm. And so I feel like in a very similar way with the internet expansion, like podcasts became someone where like person like me mm -hmm. or just a common person, you know, mm -hmm. like who wants to have a, whether it's a, a funny message or a romantic message or whatever kind of message they want to put out, they could do so. Mm -hmm. And I feel like hip hop and podcasts have that like similar tie and the origin as far as yeah, giving voices to the unheard of, you know? Yeah, amplifying the voices mm -hmm. um, of people whose voices are not being heard by more mainstream media platforms mm -hmm. so absolutely brother and uh i followed your work you know mm -hmm. what i'm saying you've done a, a good job at being able to identify the people in the, around the town that are are trying their best making their moves mm -hmm. um and 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 helping to amplify their voices so yeah you are appreciated for your work brother. appreciate that and you know i think a lot of that comes from like my upbringing you know while my parents didn't have a lot financially to give me. They always surrounded me by positive people that they knew or just positive influences around the community. And that like helped me shape up into the person that I am today. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think that's key. Cause like, like I said earlier, we become close minded cause we don't get to see people go off and do this or people accomplish that and whatnot or venture off from the typical, you know, what people usually go and do. So mm -hmm. I think it's important to put these, you know, different stories and, and portray this for people to kind of get a better picture of like what the world is as a whole. And there's many different options, you know? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I think it's key what you said is you're following, a, you were influenced young mm -hmm. by being given, by your parents giving you access to other voices. Right. And now growing up as a young man mm -hmm. you're, you're you're building upon that right so that was something that was impactful in your life as a youngster so it's it's influencing your life as a young adult and it's the same thing for me with hip-hop mm -hmm. you know placing it in its proper context mm -hmm. right on so there's a saying that you have said a lot on the social media page bang for change when did you get that first idea for that so Bang for Change again is influenced by a Dead Press song, mm -hmm. Walk Like a Warrior. And in the song, they say, if you're going to bang, then bang for change. Don't bang for crazy things. If not, don't bang. And that always resonated with me because, like I said, I grew up participating in gang culture in Orange County and then peripherally immersed in gang culture growing up inside of, you know, uh, state correctional facilities um as a juvenile i went to california authority and then as an adult in prison being immersed in and surrounded by los angeles gang culture respectively um and at some point early in my development you know i i, I saw the the folly in gang culture um and then as a young adult definitely became something that i was not I understand it. I'm not, a, not against it in that respect, but definitely started to see how we're getting in our own way. Mm -hmm. um, but I also identify with and feel the, the, the spirit of gangster. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I, I, I call myself a positive social gang member. Mm -hmm. um, many of the ways, and I know that if we want change, you know, we don't get change by asking nicely. Right. Change, change against oppression has never been achieved that way. And the same thing in our own culture, in cultures that were, in communities that were destroyed, cultures of destruction were born. And I know that when it comes to role modeling change, oftentimes our own cultures can get in our way. And so, you know, we, we, we have to 
we have to represent positivity in a way that has a little swag on it. Right. Um, so Bang for Change came from Dead Press, but I adopted it. And um, and I would say it out here, and there was a situation where it got re-emphasized to me, and that was, um, there was a, a brother out here about, I wanna say about a year and a half, almost two now, who, uh, or just over a year, yeah. So it's about a year and a half. There was a brother, a black man from out here, he's black and Samoan, um, from a prominent gang in Santa Ana, Watergate Crips. Mm -hmm. And um, he got he got killed by police um, in uh, Inland Empire. Mm. And uh, you know that hit the black community here pretty pretty rough because he was pretty well known among uh, the black community here. Mm. And um, there was some controversy that followed it, internal stuff that just to me is black people have a lot of cultural problems. Mm. And one of the brothers reached out to me who was kind of on the, the losing end of the internal cultural conflict. And he said, bro, you know that bang for change shit that you be saying, mm. you need to say that more. Mm. You need to say that louder because yeah. because we need that, you know. And 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 I, I received it pretty wide open. Like, all right, I need to say this louder. And so I just kept saying it. I just kept saying it. And it was a little bit too gangster mm -hmm. um, prior to the uh, murder of George Floyd. Right. Um, the unity flag is something that I had created. And um, early last year in February, mm -hmm. um, when we did a community music video event in Santa Ana, mm -hmm. um, and I credited it to represent all the races, the the one gang, the human gang, and I said when and when I represented it, I was accompanied by the slogan "Bang for Change." Mm -hmm. um, you could turn that down, my bad. <laughs> we ain't written no, no right there, yeah. And then we'll turn it back up in a minute, <laughs> uh, real time. Um, but uh, um, so so when George died. Even though the unity flag was too gangster right before George George's death, uh, because people were afraid, they're like, you know, what what if gang members see you, you know, with with the unity flag? And for those of y'all that don't know, that's this is the unity flag right here. Um, black represent black people, brown brown people, beige others, whether they're Asian, Middle Eastern, Islander, etc. And the white emphatically does not represent white nationalist proud boys, but the allies who stand in support and solidarity with the human family. Mm -hmm. um, but um. So it's a little too gangster, you know, they'd be like, what happens if, you know, the gang members see you? And I said, bro, if somebody wants to, if somebody hit me up mm -hmm. and ask me, what does this represent? I'm going to tell them this represents you mm -hmm. and this represents us. Yeah. And if somebody wants to destroy me for that, I can't think of a better reason. Mm -hmm. You know, we all got to confront that possibility one day. And, um, and, and I'll kind of use Pac's words, you know, when it's time to die, be a man and pick the way you lead. Mm -hmm. And if I, I'm willing to fall for what I'm willing to stand up for. Mm -hmm. um, so to me, you know, this is what I, I represent, unity. Mm -hmm. um, but and, 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 and going hard for change. Mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, um, but after George died, I uh, went out to a protest and I held it up. I took it off. I had one of them. I took it off and I, I held it up and I said, this is what we represent. Mm -hmm. And and the crowd understood it, yeah. you know, and they cheered it on. And uh, from there, that was a uh, much more motivation to just keep holding it up and mm -hmm. keep saying "bang for change." Yeah. And there's definitely times where I feel a little bit uh, 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 uh vulnerable. I'm not gonna say afraid, but definitely feel a sense of vulnerability because I know how powerfully charged a slogan like that is mm -hmm. with the flag like this. Um, but I also see how yes, I also see how many people. Um, response you can go up a little bit more right there is cool and then um, the other hip hop vibration um, and so people people have really 
understood it and gravitated to it, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's a symbol that through time will help to unite us. We also call the unity flag the new American flag. Mm. I know we taught, we, nobody want that Confederate flag, but <laughs> the people that are on this side of the flag that ain't these people, we know they want the Confederate flag. Right. But when we look at the red, white, and blue flag, it's been just as, you know, detrimental to communities of color as has the Confederate flag. Mm -hmm. So I can't can't hold one and, and, and not hold the other one accountable. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's time for a new flag. And I feel like for communities of color, especially growing up in the new era, I feel like this is something that we understand. And when we say bang for change, I understand, it's not to say go out and act destructively or violently, but it's to say just as hard as we've went to contribute to the destruction of our cultures and our communities mm -hmm. is just as hard as right. we're gonna have to go to contribute to the reconstruction of mm -hmm. our communities. Yeah, and that's one thing, you know how I related to you for a hip hop song. For me, when I first heard it and then you know heard you speak, especially at that Juneteenth celebration that we had at um, uh, Black, Black Panther Park, Park yeah. right there in Santa Ana, Absol had a song called Terrorist Threats and there was in, in his like chorus, or I think it's the bridge, but he says if all the gangs in the world could unify mm -hmm. we stand a chance against the military tonight. Mm -hmm. And that mm -hmm. just like really resonated with me because it's it's all about, it's not, it shouldn't be blacks versus whites, it shouldn't be browns versus mm -hmm. whites, or it shouldn't be, you know, all these, yeah, no, like one, it's it's all this versus the people who don't believe in that, yeah, the exactly. people who still have the backwards ways of thinking or just, you know, are still... It's unity versus division. Yeah, exactly. Know? And division, we know, comes in all of our communities. Mm -hmm. You know, I would be, I would not be telling the truth if I said that there are not black people who do not want unity. Mm -hmm. Black people who want division and separation, not only from other people, but inside of their own selves. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's, there's no... There's no win for the world with division. There's only win in unity. Unity is the most powerful principle right. that we can exercise. Mm -hmm. And that's not absent diversity. That's why I love the unity flag. And I say, I say the unity flag is represented by those of us who embrace diversity mm -hmm. and represent unity. So we know we're different. Mm -hmm. You know, we know we have um, you know, different racial physical characteristics. Right. We know we have different genetic memories um, and and uh, uh, tendencies or propulsions. Um, we know we have unique um, cultural uh, evolutionary ideas and behaviors. Yeah. And they're all dope, and we represent them, and we learn from each other. Like growing up, black people used to ask me if you were black. What other race would you want to be? And I was like, when I was growing up, I wanted to be Asian. I was to do martial arts and, oh, and yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? And yeah, it's, Kung Fu and stuff. So I think when we look at each other, mm -hmm. we see, I like this part of them. I like that part of them. Mm -hmm. And the goal is to begin to become an amalgamation of all things. Yeah. Where one humanity, it, um, you know, with, with different things to contribute to it. Yeah, and that's one thing like Wu-Tang, like RZA, like mm -hmm. he always incorporated those Kung yeah, Fu sounds, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. He drew a lot of inspiration, even, you know, Wu-Tang yeah, was Wu like, myself, yeah. from the movies, mm -hmm. the Shaolin, mm -hmm. like, it was crazy how he incorporated all that. And just going back to like Orange County, it's such a big melting pot mm -hmm. of like different races. I'm a big foodie, and like, there's a lot of times, you know, down the street I can go get like a Vietnamese food, mm -hmm. and I can also turn the corner and get some really good Mexican food, mm -hmm. and then you can get the soul food, mm -hmm. and then you can get Thai food, like mm -hmm. all that kind of good stuff, and it's really cool to see the different, like, you know, you see the different people that go there, and like, everyone kind of appreciates everyone else's culture in small aspects, mm -hmm. but then sometimes, you know, when we're asked how we feel about certain things, we like shut that part off of our, you know, 
of our memory or whatever for some reason and you know you go back to those simple ways of thinking or the old school way of thinking and like like oh i don't want to like associate myself with them but you'll eat their food you know exactly yeah and i think that we see a lot of that especially with black people is how many people appreciate hip-hop mm-hmm. um but don't appreciate the people from which hip-hop was birthed yeah you know and you know that's that's what people would call cultural appropriation you know if you and, and, and it is hard because even I say as black people, you know, we share a love-hate relationship with our own selves, especially when you come through gang culture. There's a lot of like seeing each other as enemies, mm-hmm. another black man as an enemy or a potential threat, mm-hmm. um, you know, but uh, uh, um, but yeah, man, I think um, it takes to be a unifier. It's not easy. Mm-hmm. It does take um, it takes the cultivation of one's character because it's easy to see what's wrong with those people. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And and that's life in general. The the point is, can you see one thing and not create a blanket judgment or or say that that one thing represents the entirety of what this thing is? Right. Can we look to the best of what each culture? Um, has to offer and, and and unify right there, and if we do that, then we're practic we're actively practicing unification, right. and we'll and and, and and it is possible, mm. beyond possible, yeah. to achieve it. It's our it, it's it should be our collective world destiny, but it's not going to be achieved absent a very hard fight, mm-hmm. and it's a it's a choice that each one of us has to make um, on an individual personal level. And then upon saying we want that, recognize the potential of our power. We're one person, mm-hmm. but how many times has one person influenced positive change in the world? Right. We yeah. can go through a, you know, we can go through it mm-hmm. to one of the latest great. It was Nipsey Hussle. Right. One person. Yeah. Whose impact was so large, you know that I called the name of the revolution the marathon. Right. You right. know what I'm saying? So. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And just to kind of tie a bow on that, I feel like it's it's going to be hard work. Like you said, it's a process, but because we have to retrain our brain. A lot of what we consume from media and not just like social media, I mean like TV shows, mm-hmm. movies, mm-hmm. And, and just certain ways of thinking. I mean, I, even growing up Latino, like there's a lot of like Latinos, especially from like older generations that have certain stereotypes. And so even our language and our lingo can be hurtful to the cause or mm-hmm. hurtful to progress and hurt, mm-hmm. hurtful to unity. So it's, you know, just unlearning a lot of like old ways of thinking, not trusting uh, what you see sometimes in movies and older TV shows and mm-hmm. how they depict certain characters mm-hmm. or certain ethnicities of characters. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's it's a challenge because, you know, the people that were in power, they've been doing this for so long that now we have to like, in order to progress from this, it's a lot of like undoing what we knew, and especially for people my age. Not bad. And right there, yeah. my, my age and older, you know what I mean? Because like, I remember growing up and it wasn't, just for an example, it wasn't as acceptable to be homosexual like in the oh, community yeah, that yeah, I grew yeah, up yeah. when I was younger yeah, yeah. as a kid. You couldn't and, even wear, when I was coming up, if you would have wore skinny jeans, yeah. you would have got your ass whooped <laughs> and accused of homosexuality. Right. And so, you know, to see that grow from now and just my lifetime, I'm 26, you know, to see that from when I was in mm-hmm. elementary, middle school to mm-hmm. what it is now, you know, it's again, some a lot of retraining our brain. And especially for people that are, you know, older generations, mm-hmm. they have a lot more life to have lived in that old school way of mm-hmm. thinking that they now need to be retrained. Yeah. And I'll say, and, and we're the future. We're, the, we're ultimately the inheritors mm-hmm. of the future. Um, uh, uh, and not, 
not to be political though it's all political i'm not not being political just saying that it's it's just i'm not focusing on this but it's like having the joe biden in the office mm -hmm. it's like you're an older man yeah. from you know like I, I appreciate wisdom of elders but at what point do we do we get away from you know and at what point does an elder say that you know what i'm maybe maybe it's time to mm -hmm. hand it down right the the baton of leadership to to the youngsters because you know what at the end of the day we're on our way out they're on their way in mm -hmm. and they have to set a precedent for what comes next mm -hmm. um so you know the more of us that get on the same frequency then we can turn over a whole generation in a better direction mm -hmm. and as long as we understand that um we have to be firm in our positivity and our unification, which goes to what I was saying with the situation, not only standing up with each other, but standing up for each other, mm -hmm. you know, and a, a short example of that is like we see a lot of, a lot of times the Elote men getting attacked. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and as a black man, I love the Elote men. Yeah. I had all that in my community. Yeah, you know what yeah. I'm saying? And I think the overwhelming majority of black people do. But if we see an incident, as black people, we have to be able to say that that's wrong. Mm -hmm. um, and as Latino people, um, the brown community has to be able to understand that that action is not a reflection of the whole mm -hmm. um, and vice versa. There's a lot of times where there are things that, especially in uh, Latino gang culture, that get perpetuated upon black people. And black people have to understand that that person's action is not a reflection of the whole community. Um, and, and, and so you said, like, it's a training and a, a retraining and a discipline. Right. Right, and you were mentioning politics earlier, and I'll just kind of add to that, because I feel like the lifetime politicians, you know, sometimes you hear stories, especially like local to home, Santa mm -hmm. Ana mayor, mm -hmm. um, Polido, right? I believe, I think that's his last name. Mm -hmm. But he's been the mayor since 1994. Like, mm -hmm. that was the year I was born. Mm -hmm. So as long as I've been alive, he's been the mayor for Santa mm -hmm. Ana until this year when mm -hmm. they had the, uh, last past year they had the elections. Mm -hmm. But now they have a new one. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of people like that all across, you know, like, whether they're senators, house representatives, they've been doing this since the 90s. And you know how much has changed from the 90s mm -hmm. until 2021. Absolutely. So it is really inspiring to see people like Jonathan Hernandez locally, yeah. mm -hmm. or you know, even someone like uh, AOC on a mm -hmm. national Absolutely. level, kind of be so outspoken. Mm -hmm. And because that's our generation. And mm -hmm. I think, like you said, that's the generation that as they come into power and, and more on a government level, we'll see more things getting changed I think ultimately from the better, or just breaking away from that older ways of thinking, you know? Mm -hmm, absolutely, 100%. Yeah, so speaking of Jonathan, I think that's how I came into contact with you, and you know, he mentioned me first about you. Mm -hmm. How did you come into contact with Jonathan? How'd you guys meet? So I went to the, it's, it's a trip, man, you know, just like, um, I really feel like me and Jonathan's relationship is magnetic, mm -hmm. um, and we share a lot of the same views. So when I came home from prison, I had an opportunity, Aloe Black, a phenomenal um, uh, hip hop and pop artist, mm -hmm. um, invited me to do some photographs for him at an event in Santa Ana called Schools Not Prisons. Mm -hmm. So that was uh, one of the events that Jonathan was instrumental in, um, in producing, in co-producing. Um, that was my first introduction to his work but I hadn't not yet been introduced to the man, but I was familiar with the work of the man. Mm -hmm. um, the second time that our paths crossed, he did a um, Roses um, from the Concrete event in Santa Ana that was my highest conception of what a hip hop concert could be and should be. Mm -hmm. uh, people, education, entertainment, or people would say edutainment. Mm -hmm. um, it, it was beautiful and I produced a video 
Um, the person that I came there for was not, was a different, uh, was one of the collaborators. So the video didn't act, it made it to the collaborator, but it didn't actually, it never got produced because I put a KRS song under it. Mm. So, um, copyright wouldn't allow it for it to be played through Instagram at the time. Okay. So it didn't, it didn't get to Jonathan until maybe about almost, uh, uh, nine months later. And so, uh, uh, when he saw the video, my homegirl showed it to him and said, Hey, there's, there, there's this cat named Farron from Black OC who created this video for you. Mm -hmm. And when he saw that video, he saw that I captured his, you know, that event, mm -hmm. um, with the same kind of, um, spirit that he produced it. Yeah. And so he said, I need to meet that man. <laughs> and so, uh, uh, we, we, we hooked up, we met for coffee and Jonathan said something to me that, that was uh, pivotal. And he said, um. He said, I have this this concept. He said, I believe that hip hop can can change the world. Yeah. Um, that hip hop could influence politics. And um and I would love to utilize hip hop to build community, which became a piece of the Black OC mission statement, right? Build community through hip hop. Um, and he said, you know, I think that our he said, you know, I'm a brown man, but my neighbor the neighborhood that I grew up in is also historically black. Mm -hmm. He grows up in the periphery of the Little Texas neighborhood, which was the original Black OC mm -hmm. um, back in the day. A very uh, thriving, uh, um, densely populated portion of the Santa Ana community. Right. Um, so he always grew up with those influences and he said, you know, I believe in black and brown excellence mm -hmm. and he said i want to make these t-shirts that say black and brown excellence mm -hmm. um and 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 um and a black brother could wear one that says brown excellence and a, a brown brother could wear one that says black excellence mm -hmm. to show cross solidarity right and i said brother i believe in this i've been pushing this mm -hmm. and why haven't you done this already? This is genius. I believe that people are ready for this. And mm -hmm. he says, because I've been looking, I've been waiting for a brother like you. Mm. And so we stood up together. We've got the t-shirts made up yeah. and I did a community event in Santa Ana called the Block Walk. And, um, and uh, Jonathan came out there with me and we stood together kind of like yin and yang, you know? Mm, yeah. Me wearing brown excellence, him wearing black excellence to show yeah. you know, that solidarity. Um, for our communities and 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 from there, bro, the rest of me and Jonathan has just been putting in work to try right. to build. Yeah, both sides of the coin. And like I said, speaking from experience, watching you guys both speak at the Juneteenth and uh, again, the Juneteenth celebration that we had last year in 2020, that was powerful, you mm -hmm. know, and there were so many people there. Imagine how many people that actually like affected and mm -hmm. being able to see that, whether they buy a shirt or not, just having those ideas put into their head as far as, like you said, both sides of the coin. A black man wearing brown excellence and then a brown man wearing black excellence. Mm -hmm. It's it's stuff that you don't see every day, right? Mm -hmm. But that's that's like I don't know, I guess I don't know how I describe it, but like seeing it like happen in like real time, mm -hmm. it was like, whoa, like shit's shit's changing, you know, and, and it's small, but it's gonna start growing out more and more as more people get exposed to this kind of stuff. Yeah, I think it's definitely um it's taking an idea and manifesting it into a reality and showing not what is but what potentially could be. Um and so and I feel like that's what the Juneteenth that's why we called it a demonstration. We didn't call it a protest. Mm -hmm. We called it a demonstration. You know, we're we're demonstrating what we believe in. And what we saw right there was that black and brown people could come together and support each other with cross solidarity and that it's necessary and needed. Um, and I would say to some people who do provide criticism, well, why is it black and brown excellence? Um, it's a concept that's especially relevant to people growing, to black and brown people growing up in Southern California. Right. Because 
black people got segregated, you know, um, and marginalized into portions of the community from white people. And when brown people, um, obviously we know we're on indigenous land. So we know one of the first things that happened was the removal of brown people right. by white people. Mm -hmm. um, um, but later through history, as black communities were segregated, when um, brown people were reintegrated, so to speak, into America, we know who they were placed to it with. They were placed with black people. And so in Southern California, we do share, we share oftentimes the same communities, mm -hmm. the same economic conditions, um, the same policing and the police oppression. Mm -hmm. um, and we share the gang culture and, and also we share prison, mm -hmm. you know, we know that we're, we're the, we're the, primary people that are in there um and also we share we share the gang cultural history and and the blood that we've spilled between each other mm -hmm. and so and we know that we have to we have to we have to if we want it there's there's really no changing the culture in southern california for black people without also uh, mm -hmm. changing it for brown people and and, and vice versa mm -hmm. and we know that the mass incarceration system gave birth to the mass immigration system right you know it's the same it's the same thing applied two different ways so i feel like for the people who have the understanding it's it's seen that in many respects we have the same plight and uh, um and it's going to be for people like us people like me and jonathan to recognize that and to fight for each other mm -hmm. which goes back to why i say it's not enough to stand up with each other right but we have to stand up for each other mm -hmm. and by jonathan as a brown man wearing a t-shirt that says black excellence obviously that can invite a lot of criticism from his community right um and me as a black man wearing a t-shirt that says brown excellence invites a lot of criticism from my community mm -hmm. but again it's the demonstration we bang for change mm -hmm. no this is what's needed irrespective of people don't understand how much people don't understand it that's not because this is this is not understandable. It's it's due to a lack of understanding. Mm -hmm. And I remember too asking Jonathan in like an intimate conversation, him telling me too like the whole the word excellence after black and brown, I think is important because a lot of times we're not exposed whether it's because of the curriculum or just you know depictions in media and TV shows and movies, we don't see a lot of brown people being excellent and. Mm -hmm. and every day mm -hmm. you know paraded around in newspapers or tv shows or whatever they use back then mm -hmm. and same thing with black people mm -hmm. and you know growing up you know you learn about maybe dr king and then george or not george lopez i'm sorry my bad um, uh, uh cesar chavez cesar chavez mm -hmm. and you, you know you hear like those two but like that's kind of like it you know depending if you like mm -hmm. you go to further education in college and stuff like that you maybe hear about a couple more mm -hmm. or if you have you know educated parents or other family members but that's kind of it, like, as far as, like, the history books, like, what you're learning, it's like, that's kind of it, you know? Mm -hmm. And seeing that word excellence underneath or right after mm -hmm. both the black and brown, that's that's just powerful, you know? And mm -hmm. I feel like, especially for the younger generation, seeing that, the people who will grow up in these communities that are so, you know, like I said, closed-minded and they may not have, like, other ideas about breaking out of their, you know, circle or the cyclical nature that they're in, mm -hmm. you know, that, that, that could just, you know, seeing that itself can change it, you know? Absolutely, and, and, and building upon that, I think it, it's important because what we're showing is, especially cross-culturally, is we're not identifying our, ourselves or in each other, the parts of our culture, even though we believe in lifting up, we're not saying that we represent each part of, or we represent every part of our cultures. Mm -hmm. As a black man, I get a lot of criticism in Black OC for not representing certain people who are staples of the community. Mm -hmm. And that's because they don't represent the, the, the standard of Black OC. 
I'm not going, there's a lot of negative depictions of black and brown people. There's not enough positive depictions of black and brown people, even though there's a lot of positive black and brown people. Mm -hmm. So we represent the excellence that we see in each other's culture. That's the, that's where we're identifying our focus at. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're calling people to, which becomes the third um, principle of the Black OC mission statement, which is promote a higher standard for urban culture mm. or excellence inside of our cultures. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Well said. Well, yeah, let's, yeah. let's go ahead and transition more to recent. You have a new documentary coming out, but I wanted to ask, mm -hmm. what was the inspiration as to you flying out to Minneapolis after the incidents and the video and the world saw George Floyd get murdered the way he did? What inspired you to take that flight? same thing that inspired everybody to get out there it was like looking at you know we, we we hear it we see it all the time um some of us have the actual experiences with it um but watching it that way you know it, it had a different impact and and it and it, it it carried a sense of urgency and so for me it was like man you know i understood that this one's different you know, off scene. I jumped out of bed and I, I, I told, I told my, um, my, 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 my baby mama, this right here is different. You know, there's gonna be a, a wide scale reaction to this situation, mm -hmm. and um, I said I feel like every, I feel like I have to do something, and the only thing that I could think to do was what I do mostly for my community, and that's pick up my camera, take it out there and film it, mm -hmm. you know, just bring awareness to it, especially in light of the fact that we know oftentimes the media, you know, and not to say that some media sources haven't gotten better, mm -hmm. not Fox, Fox is still <laughs> the most racist, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, it's unbelievable, mm -hmm. but you know, but we have seen things like CNN, MSNBC begin to have a more accurate yeah. depiction of black and brown people. Um, but in, um, in any case, yeah, so I, so it was like that, and uh, when I got there, um, I heard a sister echoing mm -hmm. some of the, the 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 ideas that I believe, and that is that a lot of the allies were engaging in destructive behavior that right. was going to do more damage to the movement. Right, you're showing your support and intention, but the way that you're expressing that is something that black people are going to get blamed for. Right, again, white privilege will protect white people at the time who she was chastising from receiving responsibility for their behavior which they was burning shit down breaking yes. shit you know yeah. what i mean um and there's a powerful part in the documentary where they they asked her well what about the group of black men who are over there breaking in the atm mm -hmm. and she had a a, a, a a fairly accurate response for that and that's part of racial oppression of black people is um economic impoverishment right so fuck yeah we're gonna go do that that's a, a likely reaction but you coming out here and demonstrating your support by doing things that are gonna cause people to become in harm and ultimately uh, um, uh, um, hurt the legitimacy of this movement of why I'm out here right. is not something that we can accept. So I, I, I seen her, I, I resonated with the things that she was saying and I needed somebody out there. I didn't know where I was at. So I was like, hey man, I need to trail somebody out here. Mm -hmm. If you're gonna be out here, is it cool if I stay out here with you and, and I'll tag along, I'm pretty quick on my feet. Yeah. And she was cool with that. So we did it one day, then I went back to my hotel room the next and uh, they brought me back out there with them. And by that time it was like, just come stay with us, brother. Mm -hmm. So I stayed out there with them for about four or five days. And uh, 
and then and then what we didn't know was that the whole rest of the world would go up yeah so when everything started going up i started getting a lot of calls especially we started going up in orange county mm -hmm. people were calling me like brother you know you got to get as a representative you yeah. know of the community you need to get down here mm -hmm. um so that way we can put this thing in context and, and make sure that the, mo the, the momentum of the movement right. um, is not being detrimentally affected. Right, and you're talking about the sabotage too of allies sometimes maybe uh, going there for the wrong reasons. I think we saw that here locally in Santa Ana where I believe the first, yeah. I would even call it a protest, but the first demonstration mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. was up and down Bristol Street mm -hmm. and you know, just like a younger group of people, they were like shooting fireworks and it, it just, there was no good intent there. They were not protesting or marching for anything. They were just there to loot and then cause like ruckus yeah. to the, the police officers that Absolutely. were there. And so I think that really like, you know, now that I hear like older generations, whether it's my parents specifically or, you know, my uncles and aunts, like they're, when I mention protests, they're like, oh, like you were doing that looting stuff. And it's like, no, no, no. But that's again, the media that they're watching, mm -hmm. they're only going to select that clip and mm -hmm. not show every other demonstration that we had that was peaceful or that had, you know, really good messages being spoken. They're not going to select that. They're going to just select this five-minute clip of mm -hmm. you know hooligans running around mm -hmm. Santa Ana on that one night, mm -hmm. and now that's what everyone thinks as a protest. Or the same thing with Minneapolis when mm -hmm. there was you know the different video footage of looting, and it's it's crazy like the gatekeeping from those whether it's Fox Media or just other news sources. All it takes is for a person with a blue check on a social media site, Instagram or Twitter, they post this little snippet, and now everyone has that judgment of like, oh, these are what these they're doing at all these protests but mm -hmm. it's not like that you know yeah exactly and so i think that's what i hope that my documentary helps to 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 combat and as well as provide you know obviously that was for a lot of us a brand new experience mm -hmm. um and i think that you know it was dope I, I i loved it i appreciate it and i know that it's not the next time it's not the last time there'll be another time but i think that what we have to what our generation that experienced mm -hmm. that and let's not minimize the magnitude of it it was it, it was historical because it was the biggest um uh, racial justice mm -hmm. movement ever on this planet mm -hmm. you know we that's how big that was yeah and we all experienced that mm -hmm. and i think you know let's not let that be lost the magnitude of that and but the question goes is how much more could we have accomplished if we had a little bit better organizational structure yeah. under it. Yeah. And so at the end of the documentary, when you see the demonstration in Santa Ana, um, I hope that when people analyze how we did it, they see something that's a little bit better structured, a little bit better organized, a little bit more comprehensive, and not all the issues, but some of the core issues that we face. Um, and I think uh, um, the truth of it is that at the end of the, of, the, of, the, of the Juneteenth demonstration, you see the police came to barricade us. Mm. And it was through just clear articulation. You know, people are running up to the cops that are on the front line who are being instructed to hold us back and arguing with yeah, them yeah. as if somehow they can change the world or if somehow they can stop anything. Mm -hmm. They're literally following an instruction you know, you have to identify the chain of command. You have to know how to talk to the chain of command. One right. thing that, that was so effective about the civil rights movement that it, we that were sleep on is in order to join the civil rights um, organizations during their time, 
you had to register. Yeah. You couldn't just come out and show up. For one day, yeah. Nah, and you had to, we did, they didn't, how do they know who you are? For all they know, you're an infiltrator. Mm -hmm. Then you had to undergo non-violence training because they understood that if we act violently, that's this. That's what the media is gonna highlight, yeah. and the whole world is watching. And our our the legitimacy of our cause will be invalidated by one act of violence. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, oh, there, there, they, oh, look, they they swung back. There, there it is. There yeah. it is. Mm -hmm. You know, so they were very intentional. And not only did they protest, but they boycotted. Mm -hmm. They said, and we're gonna hit them in their pockets. Yeah. You know, and that's something that we did not see uh, in any effective manner during this time. And uh, um, and the third thing is, they had clear legislative demands. They they had petitions yeah. that okay, this is what we did. Now here's what we want to make it go away. Right. And we 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 had all these demands, but nothing nothing concrete. Right. And that's we should as protesters, um, we should be critical on ourselves about that. Mm -hmm. We shouldn't shy away from. We should celebrate where we did good at, and we should look at where we need to do better at. Right. And I hope that moving forward from this time, that this documentary will serve as a constructive reflection of criticism mm. and engage us in larger conversation about how the do we how do we do it better moving forward? Because the reality is, is we still need to see that change. Right. And and a lot is still exactly as it was. Mm -hmm. You know. Uh, uh, before, after this, as it was before. Yeah, and I think people lost that sense of direction, especially after it didn't die down, but it lost some of its momentum, mm -hmm. and people went kind of back to normal life. And like, I'm a big sports person, and like, I understood that as soon as sports returned too, I knew a lot of people who are into sports all of a sudden forgot about it. So mm -hmm. that like hurt me to see too. But I think like a lot of people just didn't. They were eager. They wanted to help. They wanted to participate, but there was no sense of like grander structure to unify not even like specific protests but just to structure or I unify Orange County and Los Angeles County mm -hmm. and then maybe the Bay Area just mm -hmm. like California as a whole so that way every protest in California all has the same wavelength you know what I'm saying kind of like you said with the organization the civil rights movement you had to have a membership and then you had to go through these things and there was just a little bit more organization you know I think that's something that we need to do going forward a better job of as far as educating people because a lot of times you know a lot of like the people we were talking about before we recorded they're younger you know and like they have that energy and they have that want to you know go out and march in the streets and stuff but what else are you doing you know behind or off camera yeah and i think a lot of that stuff just we just don't know our generation doesn't know because of the lack of knowledge and it's not being taught like at a school or something like that so it's all new feel to us but you know, learning to find the proper ways and proper channels of going about things. Mm -hmm, absolutely, and I think um, that I'm an optimist, so I believe that that we're we're there um, moving forward. I think that we will start to see people such as myself, such as yourself, um, people that 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 rose out of this. You know, mm -hmm. we rose out of this time yeah. in many respects. Many of us were kind of catapulted into you know, uh, more powerful platforms. We got an opportunity to see each other and like, you know, I, I carry a lot of brothers and sisters with me mm -hmm. from that time, such as, you know, how, how we, we met and how we build, you know. Um, and also there's a there's an understanding now by the world that, you know, social justice issues are not just underground. Social justice issues are mainstream media, right. you know what I'm saying, now. 
and there's there is a platform for for these ideas and, and for these voices um and it's our jobs as you know so to speak um you know um perpetuators of the culture of change you know um to 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 do our best at making sure that the next time we find ourselves in this situation we're we're we're, we're better and ready mm -hmm. and i think that this right mm -hmm. i think my homegirl says this is tangible hope i feel like this is is going to be one of those things when the time comes when you see us out and we hold it up mm -hmm. we, we we begin to gain a better understanding of what ideology we're working from because mm -hmm. if you repping this that means that you you relate to the the, the philosophy that comes through this mm -hmm. um through a demonstration that you know thank god and it, I'm, I'm humbled and i'm honored um to have put down mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. now going back to the documentary i know you've had a few screenings already mm -hmm. what are some other plans that you have for so, the rest of this year yeah. to accomplish with the documentary so right now we're working still behind the scenes we haven't released information even though we're getting tight because we're still pinning down the locations mm -hmm. um of everything but we're working on a february 21st um, outdoor uh, social distance friendly screening mm -hmm. um, for people that are concerned with social distancing mm -hmm. um, of, the, of the Bank for Change documentary and we anticipate hundreds of people so the screening will be big enough the screen will be big enough to, for hundreds of people to be able to view this thing um, we're gonna fly in Ashley who's the sister mm -hmm. that I, I, yeah. I met in Minneapolis um, and it's pretty much we say the star of the show um, and Jonathan as well uh, myself Ashley and Jonathan will be doing uh, a Q&A with the audience afterwards mm -hmm. um, and then in the evening we'll be doing um, uh, um, uh, a small well not small but social distance friendly hip-hop event um, which will showcase uh, the artist mm -hmm. whose music got incorporated into the documentary right um, the majority of whom are local who have been um, championing positive messages in their music, mm -hmm. hence the reason why I selected those particular group of artists to um, to to be inside of the soundtrack. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing I really love that you incorporated in the documentary, mm -hmm. is just that homegrown talent, that homegrown mm -hmm. sound. And I think a lot of times, you know, you associate the Bay Area with this kind of music, mm -hmm. you associate LA with this kind of music, mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. But the fact that this is like a documentary that was produced right here in Orange mm -hmm. County, and then you were include, mm -hmm. able to include some Orange County artists, yeah. like, you know, more yeah. power to, Definitely. giving more power to the community. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, and I'm glad that that's not lost on you and that you appreciate that because mm -hmm. I think sometimes people, you know, don't, don't, maybe don't catch that. And it's, to me, it's a source of pride. Mm -hmm. um, and, but then moving forward, what we intend to do is because we're having a lot of trouble trying to get it onto um, a larger streaming platform like a Netflix or a Hulu, Amazon Prime, all that stuff, because mm -hmm. There's so many channels yeah. to go through, and it's it's Hollywood works based not on what you know or what you have, but who you know. Right. You know, so you can have the best thing in the world, but do you know the person that can get it there? Mm -hmm. uh, I'm an underground grassroots community activist that's only been out of prison for just four years this last month. So my network is not that expansive, mm -hmm. um, even though I've done a pretty effective job at networking inside of the community. Um, so. I'm not having much success in that area, and then because theaters are closed, yeah. where normally theaters might do screenings, you know, um, mm -hmm. uh, um, for private films, um, we're we're having a lot of trouble then because you can't really do. We can kind of pass on an outdoor screening, 
um, but it has to be on a private property, can't be in you know many of the more community spaces because the city's not gonna issue. So what we're gonna do moving forward is we're gonna treat this documentary like hip hop on the block back in the day. Mm. You know, we used to put the CDs in the trunk, yeah. you know, drive out to different cities, bump the music out loud, yeah. and talk with the people and sell the CD. Right. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm working on getting a a, a Mercedes Benz Sprinter van that my okay. partner has, uh, and a, you know, a, the biggest TV screen I can get. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh, okay. 86 to 160 <laughs> inches, and um, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna get somebody to rig it to the top, mm -hmm. and I'm about to take, I'm about to take the van on tour, Dang. and I'm gonna stop it. I want to hit every major state uh -huh. uh, or every state, um, uh, uh, uh in the nation mm -hmm. before years in, uh, a major city inside of each one of those states. And um and it'll be free. People want to come out. You know what I'm saying? We're gonna invite the local artists who want to chant, who got positive hip hop messages mm -hmm. to perform. Um, bring out their their network of people who might be interested in seeing a documentary like this. Mm -hmm. We'll invite the local vendors. Uh, um, you know, free of charge that them set up their booths. Yeah. And um and we'll bring hip hop to the block. And uh, um and at the end, you know what I'm saying? We ask everybody if they want to continue to support the work that we're doing, as well as spread the message of unity and the new American flag. And you know, then you know that 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 purchase help helps keep me in the game, helps mm -hmm. keep me building um, all the things that we're trying to build while also spreading the message of unity. So mm -hmm. that's the goal for this year. That's special, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's special. And it's a, it's cool to have that power of social media because mm -hmm. you now can easy access to an artist in Arizona or an artist in mm -hmm. Missouri and an artist in Michigan mm -hmm. and kind of like, hey, we're going to come out and do this, you know, mm -hmm. come through and bring some of the people that, you know, mm -hmm. you resonate with, bring your community, mm -hmm. that kind of deal. And it's just so much more accessible now. So, mm -hmm. you know, more power to you. Yeah, I think uh, it'll be a successful run. All right. The marathon continues. Rest in peace to the King Nip. Well, before we wrap things up, what are some other goals that you have for 2021, whether it be personal or with your brand? So um, one of the thing, one of the programs that I've had in the mix, but I had to scale down just due to financial reasons, um, is I mentor youth in photography and videography. Um, so I had three students. I had to reduce it to one student um, due to lack of equipment. You know, they're they're young, so they they broke a camera, they broke a drone. You know what I mean? Um, they ended up moving. Um, you know, so it was just you know travel expenses, things of that nature, but the student that I was able to remain working with, his mother actually just sent me a text this morning, a very beautiful message, just thanking me um, because and sent me a screenshot of, of some money that he had sent her. Mm. You know, so they live in the same house, sixteen, but he just she just woke up and she got some, you know, he's blessing his mama and she said, you know, you've my son is 16 and he already brings money into this household through photography through photography and videography. Yeah. So I feel like God is giving me a path forward with my camera. Um, and I'm a big person about, you know, sharing whatever works for me, giving it to other people per mm. chance it works for them. So the thing that I'm gonna be looking to also do this year is um relaunch and amplify my um my my uh student i call it student teaching film mm. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a film student and i teach it uh, at this point so mm. um revamping that program getting more youth um uh, uh, involved getting some sponsors so that way i'm not trying to foot the bill cameras yeah. are you know are expensive laptops are expensive mm -hmm. um so just building with people who want to who want to see it um there's a lot of popularity for it um, and then partnering the youth in their training with local artists who are using their voices to spread positive messages and who as independent people a lot of times don't have the money to get their videos done or their photos done, utilizing, mobilizing the youth that I'm training 
to to actually um, shoot their videos to amplify those artists. So mm -hmm. it works out for the artists because they're spreading positive messages and we can give you a video from the youth. Mm -hmm. The youth, they love it because, you know, even though these artists may not be the Kendricks or the Drakes at this point, you know, to a youth, you know, you're 13, 14 years old and you're participating in shooting a music video, yeah. that's a whole big ordeal. Right. And then for the artists, you know, it, it gives them an opportunity to have some content that they otherwise would have to pay for for free. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and then for me, it's it's giving back. And mm -hmm. that's, that's going back to what we said in the beginning, what's the ultimate intention that is to just be a force, mm -hmm. you know, to reckon with um, a positive change in this world. So mm -hmm. any which ways that I can do that is what I'm gonna strive to do. Mm -hmm. And I know you mentioned we didn't get to talk about it on the show, but buying buying back the block oh, was another big thing yeah, too so as well. We got that on the shirt, buy back yeah. the block. Um, yeah. So uh, um, we 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 had a we started this year giving ourselves 90 days, and we're still in that. And the goal is to sell 5,000 unity flags in 90 days, mm -hmm. um, and use the revenue from that to um, acquire this commercial space mm -hmm. um, and build this into a, um, a community commercial um, beacon of black culture and community in Orange mm -hmm. County. Um, so far, you know what I'm saying, we're moving on to the second month and we haven't been as successful as we like in being able to see the sales that we want. Mm -hmm. um, so the I have to maneuver at this point, we're not, we're not done, but um, Foresight does say that I have to give myself more time than 90 days. Right. Um, um, and I, I hope that, and a big part of that is being able to get the documentary into the places that we wanted to get is proved more challenging than we anticipated. So I got to go harder, which goes back to being, t just taking it out onto the block and putting it on the streets and letting the streets decide. Um, but the long-term goal um, by the end of this year um, will be to also buy back this block and to renovate this into a beautiful mm. um a example of black culture and community in orange county mm -hmm. that's what we need to see more of you know i think a lot of people we get so caught up in where we want to live but we're not realizing even if we rent like we're not we don't own any land yeah and that's i think like the true power of this country and the world that we live in mm -hmm. is like who owns land and yeah. as soon as you can own some land like that's how you really you build like power yeah you build power and then you build your community mm -hmm. you know and you can kind of really shape how that community is. I think a lot of people who bought land in these now poor communities, they bought the land, but then they didn't care about it. They mm -hmm. didn't really keep mm -hmm. it up. And you know, you go to like a nicer city down the five, mm -hmm. you know, they bought that land, but they kept it up. Mm -hmm. And now it's the way it is now. Mm -hmm. But so it's just all about resources. And like you said, people, this community buying back the block, mm -hmm. man, that's gonna, that's gonna change. And I think that's the example of Nipsey, you know, and carrying on that tradition of, if you love your hood, make it good. You know, we we so often flee from our communities, but we can never change our communities if we're constantly fleeing from them. At some point, we have to have the audacity and the bravery um, to do it. And I think Nipsey is the person who revived that tradition mm -hmm. um, and he paid the ultimate price for it. And many people would use that ultimate price as discouragement for doing it. Um, but I think the warriors, you know, the 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 transformers of history. Um, have always had to make hard sacrifices, you mm -hmm. know, that's proven their, their sincerity and their genuineness. And I think for us, though not intending to invite any of those things on us, but we have to have that same audacity. And not only that, we have to do a much better job at identifying those of us who are taking those hard challenges in to, to transform community, to transform culture, 
and doing as I said, not only standing up with them, but standing up for them. Mm. You know, we should have done a much better job at putting protection around Nipsey. Mm -hmm. You know, he has a verse in one of his songs where he says, block for me, black man. Mm -hmm. You know they're trying to stretch us, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it's true. So hopefully we can um, we can put some more gangster in this positive change and, and, and bang for it. Because mm -hmm. otherwise, ain't nothing going to change. Well said. Absolutely. Well, as we wrap things up, I do got a couple more fun introspective questions to ask you to help the audience to get to know you a little cool, bit better absolutely so if you could talk to any person or multiple people dead or alive who would you want to speak to the most so uh, that's a great question uh, I'll, I'll, I'll start right where I left off at and I say uh, I wish I, I could talk to Nipsey mm -hmm. you know I feel like that man had a lot more vision in him um, and I feel like if he was able to come back for a moment and express the true vision, mm -hmm. the whole vision, I'm sure that he kept a lot back because he felt like people wasn't ready. Mm -hmm. um, I would love to talk talk to Nip. Um, I would love to talk to Pac. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Pac is another, you know, one of the the youngsters that was ahead of his time. And if Pac, you know, was given more time, I'm sure, you know, much more greatness. Um, then, you know, rewinding backwards a little further, um, Malcolm. Mm. You know, uh, Malcolm is definitely, you know, a brother that I appreciate. Um, and moving backwards through time, you know, it would be uh, Muhammad. Mm. You know, Muhammad's character as a man, I believe, you know, Muhammad was one of the, if not the most influential human being to touch this earth. Mm. You know, his, his religion it has become the fastest growing one throughout the world. Um, it's become one of the most multicultural. Um, and one of the most impactful, especially for black people in America. Um, and I know personally, you know, his, his man's lived, you know, almost, you know, 2000 years ago, about 600 years ago. Mm -hmm. And um, the amount of positive influence and how much of this man's story that I know and has affected me and shaped who I am today, yeah. you know, is proof to how the magnitude of this man's life. Right. We, he was a real person, you know, yeah. and he and he his influence went all across the world. So I could only imagine, you know, how how powerful that man was. Mm -hmm. Okay, next question: You could be reincarnated to any animal. What would it be? Uh, a dolphin. Okay. Yeah, dolphins. I, I always very fun. Look very playful. Um, you know, they move to the sea kind of the way that I, I imagine a bird moves to the sky. Mm. Um, you know they're they're they have high intelligence. You know mm -hmm. they're they're social creatures, yeah. and uh, and they say they have sex for fun. So yeah, <laughs> you know, I, ain't, I ain't mad. Gotta throw that in there, all right? So hypothetical question: If you were stranded on an island but you got food and water, what are the three things you'd want to bring to help pass the time? Um, my woman, mm -hmm. my baby mama, I love you, queen. Um, my son, mm -hmm. and uh. And some motherfucking hip hop. Hey, okay, there you go. Bass collection. Mm -hmm. If you could have any toppings on a pizza, what would they be? Uh, all veggies. Mm. I'm, I'm vegetarian. Okay. I'm, I'm, excuse me, I'm vegan. Ooh. Okay. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's a little more extensive of a discipline, but um, yeah, and uh, uh, probably you know, bell peppers for sure, um, mushrooms, um, olives, um. And uh, we could probably, we, we, we could almost probably call it quits right there. Okay. All right. Sounds good. And the final question, if you could give any advice to your younger self, what would it be? 
That's a great question. Uh, and I think is is the question, you know, um, one of the questions of life in general, you know. Um, I would say to my younger self, do not give up on being a good person. Don't let anybody in this world change you from a good person or make you feel less for being a good person. I feel like as a kid growing up, I was a good kid with a propensity towards goodness, but I allowed my environment to trick me into thinking that it was cool to be bad. Mm. And it would, you know, and it was square to be good. Be a square, you know what I'm saying? Um, learn, learn the principles as a man, how to stand up for yourself, you know what I'm saying? But know that standing up for yourself means not letting anybody trick you out of being good. If you're good, be good and, and, and fight for it. There's nothing better to fight for than that. Well said. Well, before you go, go ahead and plug, promote anything you'd like to promote, websites, Instagram, all that kind of stuff. Yup. So um, uh, 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 on Instagram, that's the place where you'll be able to see pretty much, you know, the day to day uh, movement of my life um, and legacy. Um, and, you know, and the people that I build with um, and work with and the community development. So at the Black OC, um, make sure y'all follow that. Um, and uh, uh, if you guys want more information on, you know, just generic things when we have events upcoming, if you want to know more about the unity flag, um, the, the, the documentary trailer, um, also some of just in, in the news, things that I have going on in the news, then make sure you guys visit bangforchange.org. Um, and you know what, man? Okay. This this is it right here. The new American flag, the unity flag. You know what I'm saying? Y'all know what it stands for. Get yours. You know what I'm saying? We appreciate the support and represent with pride. You know what I mean? The more, the more, this is a symbol, you know, a focal point to, to unify people. So if you're about unity and, and, um, and evolving humanity, then you know what I'm saying? This is about you. Good shit. Thank you again. One. Gratitude. Boom. That's going to wrap it up for another episode of the My Mike and I podcast. I am Noah Alvarez. And before I go, did want to remind you guys to like, follow, subscribe to the podcast homepage on whatever platform you're listening. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, be sure to leave a rating and review. Helps gauge potential new listeners on uh, a basic understanding of what this show is all about. And if you like that interview with Farron Kid, be sure to check out The Black OC. Be sure to check out his Bang for Change documentary. Like I said in the beginning of the show, there is a screening for the Bang for Change documentary outdoors in downtown Santa Ana, above the copper door. I don't know if it's above. I keep saying above or in. But it's near the copper door, if you know where that's at. It's going to be in that vicinity. It's an outdoor screening for his documentary that he produced. He, you know, oof. It's, it's powerful stuff, man. I had a chance to watch it a couple times already. So hope to see you there on Sunday, February 21st, 6 to 10, 6 to 10 p.m., Bang for Change documentary. Shout out to Farron Kid for being a guest on this week's show. Shout out to Generic Sports for allowing me to use the instrumental playing in the background. Hey, if you're on Instagram, be sure to go follow at my period Mike and period I for a lot of snippets and polls and cool quotes that I pull from the show and basically advertise up on that platform. Follow me on Twitter too if you're on that platform at underscore Noah Alvarez for you know podcast stuff, but also some personal sports takes that kind of deal and man am i forgetting anything 
Well, as I always say, never stop seeking knowledge, continue to chase your dreams, not checks. Hope you continue to battle whatever obstacle that you may be facing in your life at the moment. And man, nothing but peace, love, and positivity, good vibes into your life. Manifest that shit, all right? For real. 2021, time to change things, all right, guys? Hope you guys have a wonderful week, rest of your day, rest of your evening, rest of your month, all right? I'll see you guys next time. I'm Noah Alvarez, signing off.